For those of you who've no idea who the hell I am and what it is that you've just tuned into, uh, well, I'm Simon Scholes and I am the founder and creative director of Perception Studios. We're an award-winning visual marketing agency. We help brands and businesses create video content, animated content, graphical content, aerial photographical, easy for me to say, uh, all sorts of different stuff um, that basically creates content for their social media, gets their brand out there, gets people talking about them. But a few years ago, it became very obvious to me that not every brand, not every business was in the position to necessarily have content created for them because they didn't have the budgets to do that. But these smaller brands, these smaller businesses, I really wanted to help them. So what I did was I sat down and I came up with a process that was stuff I've been speaking about, other stuff people have been speaking about, and I turned it into a book. I called it How to Nine Times Your Social Media. And it's basically what you can do from marketing planning through to podcasting and all the stuff in between by making your content work harder for you so you don't necessarily have to put too much hard work into creating a content, but still you can be consistent on social media. The Social Media Podcast with Simon Scholes. Tips, hints, and great content ideas. Now, a lot of the visual content I create, you generally have captions on screen or um, annotations, all those kind of things, words popping up, but voiceovers are really important as well. And so I thought, who do I know who has a good knowledge of voiceovers? I couldn't get him, so I got my friend instead, Mark Silk. Hello, Mark. How are you so, doing? Oh, so true. I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Um, it's a for beautiful day in the apocalypse. It, it really is. Um, for those of you who don't know Mark, I've known Mark for a long time now. God, I don't know how many years it is, probably 15 years or something crazy. Um, but anyway, so Mark is um, a character voiceover. He's Grandmaster Glitch at the moment. He's Scooby and Shaggy. In the past, he was one of my personal favorites, uh, Johnny Bravo. is a huge cartoon aficionado, um, but also a, a great voiceover of a lot of different products, not just generally your, your character stuff. You'll hear his voice all over the place. And you'll probably recognize him through this live broadcast. You'll go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I remember him from this or that. Which He's I the often... voice of Bob's Carpets. <laughs> That's the one. Um, on commercial how, how, radio. How, how are things in the world of the apocalypse uh, where you are then, Mark? Oh, they're, you know, they're as good as any other brutal uh, end of the world could be, Simon. No, the, the truth of it is they're actually okay. And that's not what I expected. Because back in March, when all this started, when lockdown kind of all started, uh, it was as if everyone's careers were just switched off and yeah. everyone kind of just stopped because what do you do next? And then um, and then things changed a bit. I mean, I, I feel for, for musician friends. I've got a friend who... I've got a friend who's a, a brilliant musician and he's a live musical director. And normally he would be out with play with Nile Rogers or or being the live musical MD for you know a big pop act at the O2, something like that. And yeah. he's he's at home with his wife and kid. Yeah. And so the fact that I can carry on working this way is absolute gold dust. So um uh, in, oh glitchy glitchy noise. Hang on a second. There we go. There we go. Um yeah so um in March everything kind of went very very quiet and then I'd say mm -hmm. a July-ish. It's as if people kind of poked their head up and thought, we might give this a go. This might, you know, th there might be something in this. And um, bit by bit, things restarted. And I thought that was that was really interesting. And, and so I've been self-sufficient here for, ever since I started work. I, I started a radio station. That's how we met when I worked at a radio station. Yeah. But um, it always made sense to me to be self-sufficient so that I'm not reliant on just one place to be able to do work. So right when I was working out of my mum and dad's house, I, I, I started off on the, on the dining studio, the dining on mum and dad's dining table. Then, <laughs> I, then I elevated my career into their loft. And Literally. When, yeah, and then um, I had digital lines put into my mum and dad's loft so that back in the mid, late 90s, I could... I could link up live with anyone in the world using this system. So when you hear people talk about working remotely now, it's not really new for me. I've been doing it ever since the late 90s. 
but uh, and that's meant that um, over those over that time, there's been a really good bunch of clients. People, you know, you you nurture your reputation. Um, um, I work in when I'm when we're recording cartoons. I'll go down to the actual studios often to record mm -hmm. with the full cast, which is golden. So you but, can bounce off each other and that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, ex exactly. But the ability to be able to record this way, um, be able to record remotely, changes everything. And so that so that i mean people knew that i've got this facility here this is my studio so it's a proper studio it's it's not just you know um it's not just recording under the stairs with a blanket on your head it's you know it's a proper pro studio much like yourself there nice curtains <laughs> and, and and so you know it, and, and so it's it's a it's a room within a room so that frankly there could be you know someone digging up the road outside and you wouldn't hear it in here because it's a floating room everything's separated from noise and that means that really the quality that you'll get from here is from the mic really is the same as what you'll get in an, an a-list studio in in the west end um you know mm -hmm. if you go to um if, if you, it, it's a really good way to work and to really get to your question how's it going it's actually going okay and i don't really now th this this will sort of this will be interesting to hear your your take on this i don't really go shouting about it on on social media Hmm. Because one thing with social media that you'll be aware of is also, as well as sharing what you do, is having some empathy for other people. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes people aren't doing so great. And I'm not kidding anyone. Back in March time, April time, it was quiet. And it's still quieter than it would have been normally, but it's still okay. And, and you know, so I even ended up working on Sunday. I don't normally work at the weekend, but for, mm -hmm. for this kind of work, um that's treasure for some tv projects but um at the moment i'm recording um we've recorded new animations from here uh, linking up live to the studio i'd normally work with in london um new games there's, there's projects in chicago i'm working on there's a whole bunch of stuff and it's it's exciting no that's good that's good and absolutely i mean i'm i uh, i'm kind of I understand that empathy side of things because, like you said, I know other voiceovers, obviously, in the voiceover world, and there are people who've really struggled and there are people who've, because of being a voiceover, have been able to continue to, to do what they do. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a difficult time for some and, and not for others. So it is, it is hard to, like you say, stand there and, and shout about it. Sometimes it's nice to go, oh, it's great to be working on this. Or um, as I've seen in the past where, like, a new episode of or new series of Gojetters has come out, you've been happy to say... <laughs> Oh, this is coming. This is this is cool, and, and and it is nice to be able to, to say that. Yeah, it is coming soon. That's in fact, in fact, in fact we, we we've now restarted everything. So every single episode of Go Jetters. Well, if you're if you're six years old, you'll you'll love this. And if you're six years old, thank you for watching. Um, as you are a um, just starting school, uh, you'll know that Go Jetters is an awesome animation on CBeebies. And you can check it out on iPlayer. So every single episode is there. And like Simon so correctly said, because he's obviously a big fan too. Uh, he, I, I'm the voice of the the. He's not a bad guy. He's just the naughty person called Grandmaster Glitch. I'll get you, no jetters. Yeah. Um, him. He's the furniture chewing naughty person in the show. Um, but 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 again, yeah, it's 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 nice to sort of be able to share little moments and then. At the moment as well, I've been like I've probably been putting too much about my my little pup honey on there as well. I think I've been mix hopefully mixing it up just about right. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I want to take you back then, back in time, back to the dining room days, shall we say? Um, obviously, days. you started you started in radio, but what? I mean, I, I know there's other aspects to it, but what kind of caused the transition from being in radio to being a voiceover? How did that actually happen? Well. I loved what I was doing in radio. I, frankly, if I'd have, when I was working in radio, all I wanted to do was kind of working radio. I was very happy. I was a presenter on, on the radio um, and I was doing bits of, of production work for the radio station as well, doing things like editing music for uh, promotions, making promos and trailers. And um, it was a combination of, of hosting a show and doing stuff that you'd hear in between bits and pieces on the radio. And I really adored it. I was absolutely you know, in my element. And then the radio station got taken over by another company, by a corporation. And they, overnight, they ripped the living soul out of what it was that I loved. Now, I was very, I was lucky to have a job. I had a job 
if you've got a job, well, good on you, frankly. Mm -hmm. But it went from being something I adore to being a job. Yeah. And I didn't want just a job. I wanted something that I genuinely love. It, it's a privileged position to be in if you can get there, achieve it, or for, for, through whatever means. And I went from having uh, doing something that was creative and exciting and uh, serving a purpose and building an audience and getting interest to just reading cards out saying, that was this track. Now more of your favorite hits. Yeah. And, and they weren't. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to stick this down for a year because it's a job. I mean, frankly, I was by that point, I think I was only about 40 quid a, a week at that point because they, they'd also taken the show that I enjoyed doing away from me to uh, network it. Wow. And I thought, right, I'm going to nurture work because it was at the point in – it was at the point in what I was doing where I'd kind of, I'd got good at production. I was a good producer. I was a decent presenter as well. I mean, I'd been offered a, a show on radio. Well, I'd been offered a, a gig at Radio One. They contacted me out of the blue, which is people's dream gig, or mm -hmm. at least it was back then. And I went down there. I mean, here's another thing as well about knowing your skills, knowing your strengths. I went down to Radio One to meet the person that invited me down there. And um, I was so nervous. I was so out of my depth. Understandably, yeah. And I turned it down because I wasn't ready for it. And it's that thing of mm -hmm. knowing knowing your strengths, knowing what you should be doing, not just going, I want to do this and let ego get in the way. I thought, no, it wasn't right. And the guy said, I can't believe you turned me down. I think you're the first person to ever turn me down. I said, well... I said it means too much to me. It means too much to me because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do something on a national level, to me, there's a benchmark that I think I should be at. And I said to him, I'm not there yet. I said yeah. I'm learning, and he said, Well, you'll, you'll always be learning. I said, Yeah, but I, there's I need to learn until I kind of get to there, yeah. and then I can carry on learning. And he said, If you ever want to come back and talk or you know, do something at, at the station, let me know. And I never went back and I'm glad I did. So anyway, so I was getting good. Uh, I was getting decent as a presenter enough to get their interest. I was becoming a decent producer. And because I was pro doing all these little bits on the radio, making, creating sketches and doing stuff for other people's work, I was kind of getting decent at creating character voices uh, of, you know, mm -hmm. just do, doing cartoon stuff and whatever it might be. And um, when I decided to just give it a year before leaving the station, after that place took it over and ripped the soul out of it, I thought I'm going to nurture work and nurture individual content, uh, um, uh, in individual contacts, so that I yeah. can be independent, work independently. And to begin with, I got I was doing anything that, frankly, would would, would pay for magazines, you know. And and eventually, it got to the point I thought I've got to focus on something. Because I think most people can do, you know, a number of things. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, especially if you are, you know, creative in some way, you can do a number of things. And there's a point when you've got to focus on what should you be doing. You know, who is the audience? Who should I actually be going out for? Yeah. And and I thought, well, what am I best at? So taking these two ideas, I wrote. My my mom and dad were always very practical about writing lists. So I wrote a list of all the all the if I could, if I could, well, it was a list of all the things I was good at. Mm -hmm. And it was this it was huge, short, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah very. Uh, and then well, what you just said, though, is actually quite important. It was kind of like all the you know, different bits and pieces. And then I wrote a second list of what I was actually good at and brought it right back down to two things. And it was production, as in producing audio. Mm -hmm. And and performance, as in with you know with, uh, the creating characters or voice acting, voiceover, that kind of thing. And so you got production and voices. And I thought, you know what? There's probably better producers than me out there. There's probably producers that have read the instructions. <laughs> yeah. And l let them do that because you know they're going to be good. But I, I was aware that there was something that I thought I was doing. It was early days, but there was a bit special that there was something in it. There, there yeah. was some talent for character creation. And I thought, I'm going to focus on that, character creation. And um, 
I wrote a list of if I could work with anyone and think of focus again, if I could work with absolutely anyone, who would it be? I wrote this ridiculous dream list, you know, no holds barred. It's the Mm -hmm. people you know you'll never work with, but it helps you focus on what you might, who you should be, you know, focusing on. And it was Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, Aardman, um, I don't know, Lego, all you know, electronic arts, Microsoft. So it was all these nutty. It was it was big time stuff, and it was clear that out of vocal performance, it was animation that I should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought, right, I've got the production skills now to create a show reel to showcase what it is I do, because it's no good. How do I how do I expect to get work if people don't know what it is I do? And I need to showcase it with real clarity. And so I, I'd, I'd put showreels together, which is basically an audio portfolio, you know, and for other people. So basically, anytime any radio presenter wanted to leave the radio station, <laughs> they had enough. I would put the showreel together for them, and it always got the gig. Same with for the actual radio station that I worked at. I was putting sort of their own showreel together. So when they would do a client promotion, you know, um, you know, this hair company gives you free tweezers or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, win a hairbrush. Uh, so there'll be a big campaign on the station. And then at the end of the campaign, I would get audio clips of what had been on the radio station and put it into a really cool package for the client to listen to. Oh, an ROT. An ROT, a recording of transmission, isn't it? Yes. A recording of transmission. Well, that's the what what used to happen <laughs> is the radio station would send the client an ROT, a recording of transmission, which basically was rubbish because you're just making the client trawl through all these links going, hi, who's online too? Would you like to win a bag of crisps? That's great. You know, what color is an orange? You win. Yeah, it, it was sort of that. And you and mm-hmm. and you give this client this. All these recordings of who wants to listen to that? It's no use to anyone. And I said to them, let me have these clips and let me turn it into a movie trailer, mm-hmm. an audio movie trailer. The clients used to hearing guff from everybody else. They'll just send them this recording of all these people, you know, giving away fruit. And you go, no, let make make them sound like Hollywood. And I would put together this thing that wasn't meant for um, that wasn't meant to be broadcast. It was about like three minutes, but it took you on this journey of how the thing worked, and it impressed the hell out of the clients, and it made them come back for more. There was one I did that got them a, a big national BT account, and it was the the only reason for me saying this is um, I'd nurtured the production skills to showcase things and brand things. Yeah. In fact, I learned early, I was really heavily influenced early on um, by how jingle companies in America, this is really niche now, how radio, so basically radio jingles, the, the ones that go, you know, 95.5, you know, this thing, more music, these yeah. things. The best jingle companies that made that kind of thing, when you'd hear them sing the name of the radio station, was f- um, called Jam. Jam Creative Productions, oh, and yeah. they made all of Radio One's jingles and you know, mm-hmm. big stations over here. They were the leaders in this worldwide. And I heard a demo CD of their work. Now, I'd never heard anyone showcase their work like this. Normally, what would happen is you go, here's some new jingles, here's number one, time for the weather, number two, the breakfast people, oh, they're so wacky, and it was, it was this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and they came at it like you were about to hear, hear the, the best new, hear about the best new movie you've ever seen in your life. <clears throat> and it was dramatic, and, and it was, it was um, you, you know, from, it, it just gave me goosebumps. And you know, I'm I'm there like just starting out in this career doing work experience. I heard this demo CD of them playing all these things from and it was big names, it was big, it was showbiz. They this was showmanship, and it was WHTZ New York from the top of the Empire State Building. It was showmanship. So the 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 thing that struck me was this is a way of showcasing what you do through audio in a way that I had never heard. 
And I put together, I used the skills that I learned from listening to how they package stuff in the States. In the States, there was a swagger. It, yeah. there was, it was kind of a nod and a wink, but it was larger than life. And I liked that because it got me excited. You know, it's, it's, it was this kind of, it wasn't an arrogance. It was, it was this just, it was this sort of self-assured nature that what they were doing was pretty special and you're going to love it. Yeah. And so That's did, you what this was. Your, did you do that with your showreel then? With the showreel, yeah. Yeah, so um, when I put this voice showreel together um, for me doing animation stuff, I I focused it like in the same way that they packaged theirs. And you, you just, it was it, no messing around. It was right in there. And you just, you just heard this nice piece of like orchestral animation music that, that took you in for about two seconds. And then yeah. you heard, hi, I'm Mark Silk. I do cartoon voices. And then like a mallet to the skull, it was like voice, 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 voice. Awesome. Uh, and, and, and also at the time, full disclosure, I know it was at the beginning of my career. No one's heard of me, and I'm still learning how to do this. And really, it was almost a tribute for me to my favorite cartoon character performer. So I was really mm -hmm. kind of um, emulating my favorite cartoon voices. So it was you. It was things like, uh, "What's up, Doc? You are despicable. This is the last time I work with a speech impediment. You know, work with someone with a speech impediment. Like it's really creepy, Scooby, pal. Right, Scoob? Yeah." <laughs> Creepy Scooby Dooby Doo, the trade for Come on, buddy, let's go. And then my own creations as well mixed in, mm -hmm. but the production values were really good, so it kind of sounded like this actually might have been a clip from the cartoon. In fact, I played this to the person at the radio station who basically had ripped the soul out of what we were doing, and he said, Yeah, yeah, this is you know, the production's good, but. Where's you? It says it's your show reel. It says your show reel. I thought it's a voice show reel. I said, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, well, where are you? I said, no, it's me. No, no. The production's really good, but where are you? I said, it's me. It's all me. How do you mean? I said, every voice you're hearing, that's me. He went, oh. <laughs> and and, and, and he, he, could, he actually thought it was the real... The you real clips together, yeah, yeah. He thought I'd put together a nice um collection of clips from things that I like from cartoons, and he he actually <laughs> didn't realize it was me. And I said, you know, the bits in every now and then in the showreel where it says my name. As far as I remember, there weren't any Warner Brothers cartoons from the forties that mentioned my name. <laughs> so you know that. But the the point was, I put together this um really tight showreel. That that did what it said in the tin, because you think because at the time as well, I didn't know anyone else that was doing it quite the way that I was trying to do it. Um, at the time, I would hear other people's showreels doing production at the radio station, mm -hmm. and it was kind of all the same, really. Now, different voices, but the same structure. You'd hear, "Hi, I'm Bob Binkins, and here's my voice showreel: a carpet commercial." At Allen's Carpets, we sell great quality carpets. Come on down, get yourself a bargain. Now, a bank commercial. At Bankley's Bank, we loan you money. Come on in and borrow some money at Bankley's Bank. <laughs> there was now, a very, butcher's uh, commercial. There was um, sausages. A, a chap I used to work with, and um, yeah, I, I'm not going to mention names, but it was a, it was a bit. I'm going to change the names, but it was like, "Hello, I'm Chris Jenkins, and I can sound like this." All this, <laughs> I can be, I can be, I can be serious and also funny. <laughs> you know, uh, but but genuinely, what it was the the showreels that I was hearing at the time at the station. Th this is just based on tapes that came through to the station. The the uh, and and by the way, I was in no competition with anyone because I was just a producer, you know, uh, and so. Um, the structure that I'd hear was people um, doing that kind of thing at the front, and at the end going, and now some accents. Archiver, no. <laughs> Caper, haggis, that's a Scottish accent. And now a French accent. Bonjour, a petite baguette civil play. And now an Australian accent. 
G'day Cobra. <laughs> you know, you know, kangaroo and yet you gotta, you gotta go of course i'm being over the top or, or just being silly but but really that was it and i didn't i didn't know anyone or i didn't hear anyone that focused on just character voices mm -hmm. because it was voiceover and and mostly a similar kind of there was a a, a sound to 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 local radio commercials that overall that you kind of heard back then and people didn't really talk like a, a, a real person back then it's more you hear people talking like actual people now on the radio but um but anyway i put the show reel together and again with just the production um knowledge that I'd, I'd learned from just working in the production studio there i found about one in ten show reels made you go that's good it's all right not blow you away but just go yeah it's good that She's good. And um, so I thought, I'm going to send 10 showreels out. And if I get one sh one response, that's good. Yeah. So I sent 10 showreels out, and I had 13 responses. <laughs> of course. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> now, uh, it was very exciting. And what I think I did was I did cassette viral. So the showreel was entertaining and it was different from other showreels that I'd heard or, or it was a different construction from what I'd heard, um, you know, just working on the other side of the glass. And it was really nice. And one of the people that I heard back from was Cartoon Network, who, I, who really wanted to work with. I love their work. And um, I got a message from them that said, uh, hello, thank you for your showreel. We've never heard of you. We have no need for you. We have to meet you. <laughs> and that's really nice. Yeah. Now, I went and, and met up with them and we chatted and <laughs> they didn't have any need for me. They had no need for me. But that's kind of, um, that's kind of nice because it at least, it touched a nerve enough for them to want to say hello. And that mm -hmm. kind of was everything for me because in the end, I, I did get to work with them a couple of years later and, and then do quite a lot from then on but um to get that kind of response was great and um even down to to, to get a an agent um often you'd have to fight to get through the door to have somebody represent you mm -hmm. and um i had two different people actually contact me they um pr a producer that they know said have you heard this he should be on your books and so there was a london agent and it was that london agent that actually um uh, that was um, I got uh, Chicken Run was the first film I worked on. It's a gift, and Star Wars was through was through the same agent, and Johnny Bravo happened through that, and so it was it was basically with clarity, thinking here's what I want to do. What what is it I act? What is it I absolutely love? What do I absolutely love um, that I can do the best? Yeah, that I that like you know, it's that thing of what what skills do you have? Um, what what's your real strength, and how can you uh, connect that with what you adore, and then make that your career every day? You know, what you do every day of your life? Yeah, do what you love, definitely. And um, going back, I, I, there's a question I kind of wanted to ask later, but I'm going to ask it now because you've you've done Scooby and Shaggy, and I'm going to have to ask this question. So. When you're brought in to voice something, because you are currently the voice of Scooby and Shaggy, when you're over here, over here, here yeah, yeah, when, full, full disclosure, yeah. When you're brought in to be that voice, do they say, "Mark, make it your own, put your own slant on it," or do you effectively have to be like Rory Bremner, Alistair McGowan, and do a zoned-in impression? Well, well, for me, what I what I want to do is is be that that's an original scooby-doo yeah. production cell one of my heroes is a guy called don messick and don messick is the original voice of scooby-doo or other don messick is the original voice of scooby-dooby-doo <laughs> um yeah and don messick created that character voice in 1969 mm -hmm. when the um before any of us were alive true fact um, and he was one of he was one of the guys that w did so many voices for Hanna Barbera. So anyway, when I, when I get brought in to do something like that, and the, the kind of work that I, I I'll, I've 
worked for Cartoon Network, uh, done stuff for CITV, done uh, radio commercials and TV commercials and toys and all of that. So it's that kind of stuff that you'd hear me on. And um, when you say about making it your own, really what you're doing is you're making it, you're, you're continuing the legacy of the performance that Don Messick started. Yeah. For me, that's what it is. I, I don't want to make it my own. I want to continue that because that's the treasure. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because I never see it as a, I've never seen it as an impersonation because you're taking, it's it's much bigger than that. Because to a point, I think most people probably can do some kind of impersonation or can do a voice or a bit here yeah. and there. But this is acting. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how dramatic or crazy it might be. It's acting. You're 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 bringing characters to life. That's the difference. Because I, I think you know, it, I, I I get re I tend to get referred to as voice actor rather than voice over, and there probably is a difference. I, th I think uh, uh, voice over to me is thing. I mean, it's probably the same thing, really. But it's. Well, um, I, I, I would say yes and no because when you're voice acting your grandmaster glitch you were scooby and shaggy you're johnny bravo when you're a voiceover you are doing for example we went to the prince's trust you're the voiceover of that exactly, event you're yeah. not acting you're yeah. you're a voiceover of that event yeah. you were the voiceover of saturday um saturday night takeaway that kind of saturday, thing. saturday night takeaway that, yeah that's, Live that's from perception studios that's the one um but that that's that's what that is and then then you've got the voice acting element which is your niche, which is the the acting and the, the characters and the cartoons and the computer games, and for I mean, um, Ed just mentioned it, and I'll answer this question because I think I know the answer anyway. You, you were you were a voice on on Buzz. Uh, you were the voice the voice of uh, the Buzz computer game, and and um, you're on um, the the hospital game. I can't remember the, the name of it. Twin. Twin Two Point, point Hospital. Two there's point a, hospital. Yeah, there's a great um, by Sega called Two Point Hospital. It, it's um, it's awesome. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of them. So yeah, that, yeah. So uh, you're uh, that's exactly it. It's it's I would I would say the voiceover is just what you've said. It's the get ready for action and adventure. It's all that stuff. And then the the acting side yeah. is it's the voice acting side. He said saying the yeah. uh, absolute obvious. That was my mom, by the way. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. No worries. Your mum's lovely, so she can always bake me a cake. Um, yeah, you breathe life into a character. Going into into things like brands and that kind of stuff, and even the computer games, they're all brands in their own right. How important would you say it is for a, a brand to get the voice right for their content? It's everything. I mean, it, it's absolutely essential because if it's often overlooked – Sometimes with music, I think there's a great connection between between voice acting, voice performance, and music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're creating character voices, there's so much musicality in that. But sometimes with you know, when you're creating a brand, you will people will work very hard on the look of it. They will work so hard on the visuals, hopefully as well on the music. But mm -hmm. getting the voice to represent what you're about is absolutely essential because you know if if you're really if it it, it it doesn't matter what the campaign is or what the what the what the reason is behind um the project you're working on you want um you want a good fit you want you want your audience to feel like they're being talked to not talked at um and and it could be anything because i was about to i was about to say if you're a young groovy company you know talking about you know skateboards um, you'll probably, it might be nice to have a, you know, a young groovy guy talk about skateboards. Having said that, it could be a parody where there's somebody that, that's, that's on a skateboard that's in their eighties, you know, or it could be a, a cartoon rabbit talking about skateboards, you know, but whatever it is, it's you, it should just feel authentic. It should just be a good fit. Whatever it is that you're doing, you want somebody that when they, hang on, I'm going to say, oh, hello, mom. I'm just in a recording session. Is that all right? That's all right. Simon says hello. Hello, mum. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> mum. So um, she's just after my puppy today. You should just say, Simon, Simon says hello. Thank you very much. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, I go back to, if I was the audience, would it connect with me? <clears throat> it's, yeah. it's, sometimes it's easy to forget that and get so locked into creative conversations that you go, would that impress me? It, it, it's that and and there's and it's the same with with things like social media 
you know, you know how to you know how to work social media. You know how to get the best out of um, whether it's a personality or uh, a company, an organization. There's there's it's a it can be a fine line too because you can go from they're really interesting to oh what a pest yeah and hopefully you want to be the other you want to be the <laughs> not pest one definitely yeah yeah and 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 it kind of is that and and um even sort of I, I do a lot of um it's a it's a big range of kind of the voiceover commercial side of stuff that I do so I'm I'm the voice of things like Michelin. Mm-hmm. So it's like cool and swagger, Michelin. Safe when new, safe when worn. <laughs> you know, you know. The, get ready for the ride of your life with Michelin. You know, it's kind of very cool and so you know. Um, but but hearing that, it's very separate to um, the brand new game from Tommy. You know, or from character. You know, all these things. It's yeah. they're very very different. And as a performer. Uh, or as a performer, you need to be able to have that separation as well. If you're going to, if you if you can achieve that, um, you'll end up being able to make sure that you get what they need right. Uh, and and the other thing as well is from the performer side of it, you need to be able to listen. I mean, so much of this is listening, because to, I want to know everything I can. I, I want to know with real clarity. It doesn't have to be a lot of words, but just know what is it they want. What's their audience? Have you got any music that this will, will be under this? You know, if you're performing, um, if you're performing the you know, the, the Michelin commercial, I I run the music in the background so I can just hear it play, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like gr- cool little groove going, and you kind of get into that when you're performing the the script, and you know little little things like that make a difference. But I mean, quite simply, you you just want whatever you're doing to sound authentic. Yeah, no, definitely. So taking kind of taking it back to when you first started in voiceovers, it was it was a very different industry. We were able to send out voiceover cassettes to radio stations and get work but that's not necessarily how it works these days they don't have commercial production teams in there and all that kind of stuff now this was a question i wanted to ask but it's also a question that came up from ed as well so i I want to make sure i ask it how how can someone now get started with voiceover work is equipment important important um and in voiceover work i would probably say yes but you might have a different slant um but how can somebody get started now because it is such a different industry is it is there somewhere people can go to find all the different commercial production teams they should talk to or you you need a microphone the size of your face is what you that's 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 um okay here's the oh i like that which one have you got what have you got and um, this is uh, just a, a newer. It's really good, actually, for the price. Um, I think I paid sixty quid for this. Thirty um, quid, that's good. free biscuits. That's good. Yeah, things. It sounds. It sounds all right. It sounds good. Well, here's the truth of it. Uh, was it Ed? Hello, Ed. How yeah, you doing? Ed. Yeah. The the entry level is so affordable now to get into this. Um, the 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 first thing that anyone needs to get into voiceover work or to get into any work. Any, especially creative work, the first thing that anyone needs to do is get good. That's the first thing they need to do. Now, you don't need to spend a lot of money on getting good. That just takes practice and nurturing your skills and being a good self-critic and you know that. But the when I when I when I started, um, when we started back before we were even born, the the cost of entry was a lot so you needed to buy an expensive microphone that needed to be plugged into a an audio interface or a mixing desk and then you needed a generator with with, with <laughs> animals that that would power it on a, on a special wheel and and you know it, it was it, it, the the cost of entry was was high and the size of what you needed was large um technology is our friend Technology is your friend, Ed. So to start off with, I would use your phone. Seriously, because the first thing you need to do is get good. So what I would, if if you, well, if you have a little microphone, great. Um, I carry around with me. I used to carry around with me pre, pre-apocalypse when I would travel around or, or fly to the States or anything like that, I would have in, in my hand luggage a little microphone and it was a little USB microphone. Um, you, know, you wouldn't record an animation thing on that, but it was lightweight 
and it can get you there. It was about 110 quid. Mm -hmm. And um, I would take it with me so that in an emergency, I could record something. So here is, you know, the, the, I mean, my my setup, Ed, is this microphone, which is a TLM 49. It's a beautiful microphone. And it's what we use for doing uh, TV shows, films, games, commercials, name it, it's that. And that goes into a Rupert Neve mic preamp, which is over here. It, it, this uh, now, after after the apocalypse uh, has completely gone nuts, once the volcano has, <laughs> has, has stopped burning, all that will be left is this microphone and this Rupert Neve mic preamp. It's gorgeous. So the chain is microphone, preamp, then an audio interface, um, which is a high-end RME Babyface Pro audio interface into the Mac. You don't need that. You could get to start off with, get yourself a little microphone for 110 quid and plug it in your iPad or your iPhone, um, or just use your phone. And to, to get started, you need to get good because people aren't going to give you work if you're not any good. <laughs> and I would genuinely, I'm, I don't have any around here. I was going to say, pick up a magazine and read it and make it come to life. And it depends what your what your strengths are. Are uh, do you want to do character performance? It might be that you're a really good. Just ju you just got talent, and you're a really good actor, or you can you're funny, or you've you've just got something in you that you think other people will find useful. Well, sh well, record it. Listen to how it actually sounds. It might sound like junk, or it might sound absolutely terrific. Now, when you're listening to something that you're recording, especially when you're starting out. Sometimes it might sound like junk, but here's the good thing. If you're an honest criti uh, critic about your own work, you can listen back to it and go, that's not so good. Why isn't it so good? And yeah. then figure out why it's not so good and figure out how to fix it. And then you can use that next time. Then you can go, but that bit was terrific. Why was that terrific? How can I use that again? And you just get better. The more that you do, the better you get. It's like cooking. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that, you know, the more you get, I mean, I, I can't draw, I can't paint. I, I can't, I want to, I can't, um, ha but I've never really tried. Isn't that weird? I thought it'd be okay, but I can't, but, we, but I've got okay this because I do it every day. And there's a lot to be said for that. Do a little every day, a little bit every day. Yeah. But, but just do, just do little by, little by little by little by little becomes a lot. So, it really does. Yeah, it really does. It's like um, it's like vacuuming. You know, eventually you'll do it upstairs as well. <laughs> I've got a guest bedroom. Speak for yourself, you dirty, dirty person. But Ed, if you want to get into this, the 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 starting point is to just hone your craft because you have to go. Here's a really easy question. With, with so much of this, again, it's it's so easy to overcomplicate things. And there's something that um, I kind of do self-checks regularly. And you go, would I employ me? If you're saying, because someone's going to need to hear what you do. So you'll yeah. need examples uh, that you can either send them or it's on a website or your Facebook, whatever. And and let people hear what you can do. Because if they if they can't hear what you can do, they're not going to employ you. So you need a little showreel or showreels to showcase what you do. And quite simply, um, would you, would you, would that impress you? If you were, because the, there's a lot of competition out there because the, the cost of entry is so easy now. It is so low. And the, and in terms of the, the, the barrier of tech, you know, it is, it is not difficult now yeah. in terms of technology, that isn't a barrier. So, you can you can get started relatively inexpensively, um, but the only thing that actually matters is is are you any good? That's it, and, and and you might be brilliant, and then my career ends, Ed. And 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 the thing is, it's very much like I've said about social media as well in the past. It's it's like there's a room full of people sh shouting. It's a cannibalized market, and it's how yeah. creatively are you actually shouting? How good are you? And how creative are you? with your shouting, with your voiceover work to get noticed. And that's, I think that's it's a really important factor for both the voiceover world and the social media world, for sure. I think also you kind of go, what actually drives you? And yeah. what do you think other people will be interested in? Because for me, um, 
I didn't get into this because of anything other than I really love it. And it sounds, it's sounds, it can sound very twee. You should do what you love. How wonderful to do what you love. And and it's kind of we've all heard these things, and it's nothing new. So you know what though, if you can, it's great. So it's it's understanding all the elements that go into letting you do that, and the people who actually do that daily are very very lucky. It doesn't always work out mm -hmm. like that. It might be that for the voiceover side, there'll be people do little bits here and there, or bits of narration, or bits of commercials. And you know what? That's great because you know what? It's work. Yeah. But it it also is how committed are you to doing this? I do this. This is my full time career. I do this every day. Uh, I do this. This is what I do. And um, even down to how you structure this, you know, there's you're providing a service to people like any other business. Mm -hmm. In the end, you're providing. So you need to be on time. You need to technically be good. You need to work with people well when people say they don't like something you need to be able to fix it fast uh you know you know not arguing with people you know, things like that um, no, you're wrong. yeah <laughs> you got deaf ears mate you, but you need to be able to work with people and you need to be efficient because also people are paying for your your knowledge and your time and there's also there's a great deal of trust that people are putting in in you to be able to deliver whatever it is that they happen to need at that moment um and and sometimes as well there sometimes it might be that that people need you to lead them or to help them you know they might not know exactly what it is that they really need uh, and so um if if through your experience you sometimes you'll hear what somebody asks for but you know it's not really what they want now, it's important to be able to do what they've asked for, but then you can offer something else maybe, or yeah. if you can actually talk to them, to be able to just have a conversation to say, would this, would this help? And, no. and that kind of does bring me on to the next next question, actually, I wanted to ask is, when it comes to characters, mm. how do you come up with a new voice for a character? Do they say, this is the character's characteristics, now away you go, or do you look at the image? So, for example, Grandmaster Glitch, his voice goes perfectly, and when you look at him, you go, okay, he's got a moustache, he's a bit like a colonel, but he's not a colonel. So then you've got that posh side, side of Grandmaster Glitch, but then you've got the the naughty side of it. Is that how you go into, go into doing stuff, or how does it work? It's It can be a number of things. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you'll see something and just this thing kind of happens i think it's like a musician or an artist sometimes you'll 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 just do a thing that kind of hits it doesn't always work that way and grandmaster glitch kind of it happened kind of quickly it, it, um they it started out online um before it went to a tv show and i think it was grandmaster glitch in one of the character and I was the only one that wasn't that didn't have to go through the big casting process. I think of of, of the other characters, um, and it just they, they showed me the picture and they told me his characteristics, and I kind of did what I thought would just be funny, and and it wasn't really. It, I don't remember that one being a particularly in depth um, process. It you kind of they tell you. You know what he's about, and you see what he looks like, and you see what's going on screen. You kind of thinking, ah, this, I think this might work. What about this? And then suddenly, Grandmaster Glitch comes to life. Come along, Grimbot, <laughs> Grimbles. Oh, that Ubercorn. You're the <laughs> preference to those no jitters. But but yeah, so he's actually you know in the end, look, it's a preschool kids cartoon. There it is, right there, signed yep. by everyone. That thing there. Cool. And I'm I'm so proud of being part of that show. But um he's playful, he's naughty. Uh at first you think he might be evil. He's not, he's just playful and naughty. Um he, he's also got a really soft side to him. Um he can sound really tender and you know he can be hurt, he can be caring. He's got he's, he's a fully rounded character, and he also sings. He can <laughs> sing, baby. So um there's a lot going on there, and um it, that the whole cast of Gojetters are terrific. You've got um, Ubercorn, who's cool and funky. Um, Kyan, um, played by Aki, and he's you know 
just super cool, like almost like surfboard skater. Hey, Steve, you know, awesome. You know, he, he's super cool. Yeah, um, then you got Pilar who plays um, Zuli. She's, you know, she, she she's the pilot. Um, the Cyrus who plays Lars. Uh, again, uh, just another great sound to the show. And then John, um, John Hasler. I first saw John's work when he was, he was actually playing, Oh, Timon in the Lion King in the West End, and just he's quite you know he's funny. We stand next to each other when we're actually performing the thing, um, and he plays um, he plays Foz, and it's a good it's a good collection of characters, just individuals anyway. But there, it's a really nice mix, and um, a mix of English and American as well. Mm-hmm. Which works really well, and you don't question any of it because it's the GoJetters, it's Grandmaster Glitch, it's the Grimbots. I'm the voice of the Grimbots as well, by the way. Oh, okay. And it's all pitched and uh, you know affected. Sounds kind of cool. That's that's that's. And and what about other characters? Does do you, does it take longer? It can do. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really can do. And what can happen is you'll go in. Um, you could say go into multiple castings. So it'll be where they kind of, you're brought in, then brought back and then brought back again, where they're kind of finding what they think it should sound like. Because if you've written a, a show or a film or a game, you might have in your in your head what you think the character should sound like. Um, or it might be that you have an attitude of what you think they should sound like. Or there might be a movie character that you've heard and you think, oh, I'm kind of cool if you sounded a bit like him or her. Um, and and so it can be quite lengthy. And then there's there's other stuff where it might just be where it's really tricky. I mean, there's one and there was a casting that I did about a year ago, and I didn't get it. And it was it was one of those where they even they didn't really know what they wanted. There were certain characteristics that they needed it to have. Yeah. But they couldn't quite convey it. And um I think it was one of those where you know it when you hear it, which yeah. doesn't help. But Sometimes that is how it is. There was a, a show I worked on a while ago called um, Fifi and the Flower Tots. And it was myself and Jane Horrocks and a couple of other cool people. And um, I performed two uh, characters, one called Bumble, who's a little boy bee that's allergic to pollen, so he's all banged up. Bouncing blueberries, Fifi. Fifi, forget me not. Forgot. He's all very cute and adorable and a bit <coughs> sniffly. Uh, and then, then there's a character called Slugsy, and he's this adorable slug. And in terms of creating the character voice for that, you go, okay, well, going back to what you said, they showed me a picture of this lovely, huggable slug. It was all stop motion. The models were made by McKinnon Saunders, who make the models for things like Tim Burton, Wes Anderson. I mean, these things, it's the, you know, they're the best model makers in the world for this kind of stuff. So slugs, he's this big, lovable, adorable slug, and he's lovable, huggable, would be your best friend, bit naughty, bashful, He's got a secret crush on Jane's character, Primrose. And um, and so, yeah, so you kind of go, okay, well, we're going to create a brand new character voice for this new character. So you go, okay, well, lovable, huggable. And it, well, he's a, it was a bit of a, he was a big slug. So he had a bit of timber on him. So you think we, you probably sort of take him down there a little bit. And uh, the day before I went down to have this character creation session, I was looking through the just TV channels and um, one of the old Carry On movies came on. And um, there was a brilliant, there was a <laughs> there was this carry on actor called Bernard Breslau, and oh, yeah. Bernard Breslau was a very big, tall man with a big, big booming voice, and he always sort of, and he had quite a lot of timber there, but he sounded perpetually happy. But, you know, hey Sid, my ass has just burnt down. Still got a laugh, ain't you? And I thought, oh, I can do something with that. And so, you know, that's not very loose. That's a, a very loose sound alike. I don't claim to uh, try and impersonate him. But I thought, if you lose that as a, use that as a, a sound alike, that's quite fun. And they sort of make him a bit more sort of wide eyed and fun and adorable. For that could be quite nice. But it, while we were putting it together, it was this thing of I looked at the picture again. It's this a slug and it didn't quite sound quite there. And I thought, well, what, what, can, what can you add to make him more slug like? Then you realise moisture. So as you put moisture, and suddenly Slugsy is this adorable animated slug with all these different <laughs> layers of loveliness. 
<laughs> and it's it's funny because you, you kind of go, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I, I heard somebody on uh, there was someone on a YouTube. You, you, you know, everyone's an expert. Everyone everyone knows. Every, and you gotta do what I tell you because if you don't, you're clearly wrong. And you know, there was there was someone on uh, some YouTube video I saw a few years ago, and someone said, "Have you seen this nonsense?" And it was basically almost like a like kit form how to create characters. And he goes, "It doesn't work <laughs> like that." It's like, well, you start with an accent, and then you start with a this, and you start with a personality, and then you layer it. No, it doesn't. It's like saying, "Here's how you make a hit record." It doesn't work that way. You know, so, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of casting for things, a casting director, th there's all kinds of ways people can get cast. One of them is they might just hear you in a thing and go, "They're good." I mean, there's I worked on Thunderbirds Are Go. I mean, I'm a massive Jerry Anderson fan from the original Thunderbird shows, and um, it's a real privilege to be part of this. To be part of this, you know. So, I mean, I, I loved. David Graham's work, you know, Parker and, and the original brains. So to be in the studio with David Graham, who went, when I was working with him was in his mid nineties and he's still yeah. Parker and he sounds like Parker, you know, what he would do. That's, 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 that's treasure. But there was a guy in the third season of Thunderbirds I'll go that was in episodes that I was in as well. Um, and they, they cast him as far as I know, they heard him in, in a show in the West End. And he was he was there, and he sound he just he sounded like he's got his real lovely little rough and tumble voice, you know. Kind of got he sounded like raw, you know, raw around the edges. And and there was a there was and a, like a, a woman that was part of the same team in the show had a, like a similar but female female version of that. And um, I'd never worked with him. I, I think it was his first animated show. But he was a good actor. He could act. He could act, and he had a voice that sounded like that. And someone just heard him and went, that guy. That's the man. We should use that guy. So there's no one rule to getting this work. In the same way, there's no one rule to being a successful rock band or, or a jazz singer. You know, my my, my, uh, my friend, um, oh, God, who um, he's, um, he's a brilliant jazz drummer. He's actually a brilliant jazz everything. And um, he, he, you know, you make your own opportunities. You make yeah. your own luck. Um, often it's driven by a lot of hard work, but but also sometimes you kind of put yourself in these positions, and and hopefully also that helps people be drawn to liking what you do. Hopefully, I guarantee. It's like, it's like the but story my, of Red Pe Red Pepper, isn't it? And obviously, yeah, people don't know who Red Pepper is. It's a very famous voiceover. He was the voice of Tango. You know when you've been tangoed. He was a tube announcer, and the, vo the the agency heard him. Thought it was he had a great voice. Let's get him in. Let's see what else he can do. And yeah, there there you go. That's kind of how simple it can be, effectively. Well, um, a friend who's a brilliant jazz drummer, that that guy, um, he was doing. He was working on a project in was in Wales. Anyway, and um, Quincy Jones was coming down to speak there, like you do. Now, Quincy like, Jones, yeah. the, you know, he's Michael Jackson's producer. He's done stuff for Michael McDonald and all kinds of amazing people. You know, he's the guy that created Soul Bossa Nova, the Austin Powers theme. Quincy Jones is the guy. You know, he's super groovy Quincy Jones. And uh, my friend, um, he said, can I go meet him at the airport? Because he loved Quincy Jones. This was there was no master plan. He just loved Quincy Jones, and and that enthusiasm meant that he was in the car journey all the way back from the airport to the place. During that time, he him and Quincy spoke for a good half an hour, and Quincy was genuinely interested in what he was doing. They kept in touch, and um, Quincy had him um, play residency when he started his new jazz club in Dubai. Wow. He was there and playing, playing with him. And we were, oh God, we were talking about brilliant, brilliant vocal performances in music tracks. Mm -hmm. we, we had this chat a little while ago. And um, one of them was, I said about Vincent Price's performance in Thriller. You know, it's as iconic. You know, we actually hear spoken word in a music track. You know, darkness falls yeah. across the land, all this stuff. And, and I, I started saying to him, "Isn't uh, I still find it fascinating that Rod Temperton um, wrote th those lyrics in the back of a car 
because um, Vincent Price showed up early at the recording studio and he had to get there, you know, super, you know, they kind of got this car and he had to go and get there super fast. And you know, when you're telling someone a story and you see them nodding and you realize the way they're nodding at you means they know much more than you know about this story. <laughs> like, let us be very polite, letting you, you know, tell you a little anecdote. Uh, and I just stopped. I said, you know more about this than I do, don't you? And he went, he said, well, Rod told me the full story when we had dinner at Quincy's. I'm wasting my time here. You know? I thought, I'm going to shut up. Just tell me stories now. I want to hear you talk. This is more than about me. You tell me stuff. Go be interested. You're interested. Say things. Talk, talk to me. Entertain me. Um, so I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. So let's go yeah. to the last question. My sushi um, might go warm. It might. And um, what's what's next for Mark Silk? Is there is there any job where you're like, I still have that on that list that you talk about at the very start of this broadcast? Yeah. Is there anybody on that list where you still like, I really, really want to work with them? I still haven't done. Cashier number two, please. <laughs> <laughs> still haven't done it. I'm still living that dream. I'm I'm just hoping. I might just do it loud next time I'm waiting there, just to see if I can get get someone's attention. Just, um, yeah, yeah. Do you know, you know, do you know what? I'm, I really love what I do now. I mean, I, I really do. And there's um, earlier on, oh, end of last year, I was cast as the voice of six characters in this Teenage Mutant Ninja uh, Turtles project. So there's um, Nickelodeon had to cast everything and approve everything. And that's led to a really interesting thing. So um, I'm the voice of a brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pinball machine. Oh, that, knowing that you love pinball, that's got to be a dream come true, definitely. It kind of is, because I'm getting to work with all these legendary games, you know, designers and audio guys, and plus Nickelodeon had to cast it, so that, that's good for the future for other stuff. It's someone else that knows about what I do. Um, there's this fantastic game by Sega, by, um, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> published by Sega called Two Point Hospital, uh, and that's gone nuts for us. So that's on, you know, PC and PlayStation and Xbox and Switch. And uh, and when you're playing this game, because <clears throat> we do this, it just keeps on growing this game. So you're saying what's, what's next. Um, when you're playing this game, there is a hospital radio station in the background. Have you played Two Point Hospital? I, I haven't, but there was one of the, when I started talking about the fact that I was going to have you on, one of the people who um, saw saw me post it on my feed, the first thing they said was, oh, wow, I love Mark's work, especially in Two Point Hospital. Really? Uh, that's really nice. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Well, um, <laughs> well, two, in Two Point, there's these radio presenters that you hear throughout the, the game. And I'm the voice of, uh, the, there's... There's Ricky Hawthorne in the morning on Two Point Hospital Radio. Good morning. Well, good luck to you if you're having your spleen removed this morning. And the generator's got a little bit dicky. And, and so he's really lovely and perpetually happy. Doesn't matter what's going on, but everything's wonderful at Two Point Hospital. And this is him. And then following him, there's Nigel Bickleworth, who finds nothing other than absolute disdain for the other, for the <laughs> scum that follow and precede me here on the electric wireless. You know, he's absolutely marvelous. And now, Sir Nigel reviews. It was awful. Thank you. you know, uh, he's very silly. <laughs> and then, and then um, the nighttime guy is Harrison Wolf, the nighttime guy. Conspiracy theorist, Area 51, man, it's real. I can see the aliens from here. Very intense. And, and you know, and so you got these three different characters that sound like three different, you know, presenters, mm -hmm. but they're cool. I mean, there's there's um there's new toys, there's new animation series that we we started a couple of weeks ago. Um yeah, there's, there's some nice bits and pieces, but if you need a voice, I would love to help you. And you don't know where to find him. If Maybe you need a voice, and you have a, and yeah, and you know Mr. T, and you can't find Simon Scholes and his 80 quid microphone, please <laughs> feel free to get in contact. Now, generally, I mean, there's, there's some nice things going on, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, no. And if there's any, and if you're watching this right now, if you're not, you're not hearing this. So I'm guessing it is for people like you, you, you there. That's the one, you. Um, if um, 
I, I just want to carry on doing what I do. So um, for I'm, I'm doing narration work, live event, you know, voices for live events, commercials, children's birthdays on hold, <laughs> on old oh, messages. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, you know, if you've got, if you got, if you, if it's your kid's birthday, I'll give them a ring. No, it's all that. No, but genuinely, uh, genuinely, I'm, I'm always looking for new people to work with. So you're Mr. Social Media. So th- there's your social media grab. That's the one. travel. <laughs> Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Everybody, it has. people, people saying how much they love your voice on on the radio station, on Two Point Hospital. Ed saying thank you so much. I, there's been more questions come through than. Um, I can kind of fit in, but we will. Um, but maybe we'll have to do this again sometime. That and sounds then, good. Sh- I should have. I, you know, I, 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 I should have been following all these things. Oh, yes. oh, always really interested. I might watch that later. Yeah, <laughs> it looks good. What's um, for lunch, Simon? So, sorry, what was that? What's for lunch? What's for, what's for food? What's for lunch? I'm not sure. I know you've got sushi. Um, probably beans on toast here. Oh, let's, man, let's... you're so rock and roll. <laughs> so much more Yorkshire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I'm going to let you go, Mark. Thank you so much. I will uh, remove you for now, but don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a moment. Uh, thanks so much to Mark. That was just awesome. The br- a brilliant 70 minutes. It didn't feel that long at all, apart from when the doorbell went and Mark's camera went a bit funny. Um, but anyway, we are going to be back again on Friday. As always, I will be here at some undisclosed time because it is Daddy Daycare Day. But until then, thanks so much for watching. If you are brand new to these uh, broadcasts, make sure you hit the subscribe button, especially on YouTube and Facebook, because you can hit the little notification bell so you get told about when I go live on a regular basis. And if you're listening on the uh, the recording right now and you do have a question that you'd like to ask Mark, stick them into the comments. I'll either ask him next time that we get him on or I can pop them over to him and see if he can come back with an answer for you. But until Friday... Thanks ever so much for watching. Please do continue to stay safe. We're still living in weird moments, still living in strange times. We don't know what's going to happen today either when the big speech happens later on. Uh, So, yeah, just stay safe and have a good one. I'll see you soon. Bye. This was a Perception Studios production.